So I'm going to give you guys a couple different scenarios. Um, one, you walk into a room, you see your best friend. Your response is to walk over and be like, bro, hey. Or if you're a girl, I don't know what girls say to one another, like, dudette. Or what do you guys say? When a girl sees another girl, they're like besties with like, do you like, hey, sweetie. I don't know what you say. But you walk over and you either high five or you give a hug. Um, that is what we do when we see our best friends. High fives, hugs, things like that. Second scenario, you're walking and you come across a homeless man. If you're like me, a lot of times what will happen is you will avoid eye contact. Because you know once you make the eye contact, then you feel obligated to like help this person and give them some money if they've got a sign. A lot of times, if I'm honest, when I see a homeless person, uh, there's this fleshly nature inside me that just wants to avoid them. I don't want to talk to them. And then if I end up in a conversation with them, I'm, if I end up you know, touching them or shaking their hand, it's this reaction where it's like, oh, I need hand sanitizer now. It, that's, that's happened to me plenty of times before. Now switch again, uh, you walk up to your crush. And at that point, you, you want to shake their hand and never wash your hand again. Um, that's what you're going for. When, you, when you're with your crush, it's like you're the perfect gentleman or the perfect gentle lady. You're opening doors. You're being super polite. You're being super friendly, super charming. Now, switch again. You see your worst enemy across the schoolyard, across the cafeteria. And your response is not to want to shake their hand, but to throw them some nasty looks and then turn to your friends and talk about what a jerk that person is. And then you end up going home and you see your mom. And your mom is like, hey, why didn't you clean your room like I told you to? And your response is, why? My life is terrible. Maybe. Maybe. I think... We treat some people very well, and I think others, not so well. I think there's reasons. Our best friends, we treat well because they're our best friends. We love them. We share a lot of common interests. They are our besties, so we will treat them well. A homeless person, even though we know that we should love them, a lot of times our flesh goes, ah, oh, that person's gross, that person's smelly, like I don't want to touch them. Our crush, we obviously like want to get on their good side because we hope that one day we'll get married and just have lots of kids and a big yard and run around and swing on a tire swing together and like it's the dream. Um, worst enemy, you want that person to die. You're like, that, that person should die. I hope they die. And I hope a cloud forms above them and the Lord strikes them down with thunder. Um, we see our mom and sometimes we're just like, why? Why do I have to clean my room? Why do I have to do this? If you're anything like me, when, when I was a kid, I would only clean my room if no one told me to. If I was told to clean my room, then I absolutely, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I only wanted to do it if it was my idea that I came up with. There's reasons why we treat people certain ways. And if you're wondering, does God have anything to say about how should we treat people? Absolutely, he does. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Turn there with me. It's just one verse. Super simple, guys. The golden rule is what it's called. It says in verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want people to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophet. I'll read it again. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. One more time. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. 
it's easy to miss this. We can just read this and be like, oh yeah, golden rule. Like, of course, like be nice to people, obviously. But there's so much here. And I want to unpack it and go through it with you guys. The first thing you need to understand is that the common teaching of the day from many different religions, from many different sources, and in Judaism, which is what Jesus was born into, what the Jews practice, in their religion, the saying was, basically, don't do to someone else what they would hate. Or basically, don't do to someone else what you would hate if they did it to you. That was the teaching. It was, whatever people would hate, don't do it. And that's very easy. That's very easy. Like, you can just walk around, you can see somebody, and you go, hmm, if that guy punched me, I would hate it, so I'm not going to punch him. Or you walk up to somebody, it's like, if that guy robbed me and took all my money, I would hate that, so I won't do that to him. Or maybe you just walk up to somebody, and you're like, if that guy talked to me, it'd be really awkward, and I would hate it, I'm not going to talk to him. Um, and it, it kind of creates a very easy way for us to kind of feel like we're good people. It's just like, yeah, just be good people, and like, just don't do to people like what they would hate if they did it to you. But Jesus is never about making it easy for us. He's always turning these teachings and expressions of the world on their head. He's always taking these things. Listen, Jesus is basically, he always comes in and says, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. Basically to, to the world when Jesus showed up, it was like the world, all the world knew was addition and subtraction. And Jesus shows up and he's like, multiplication, division, algebra, geometry. And everyone's just like, Psh. Like Jesus is creating like new formulas and new just crazy methods of loving people. He comes and he's like, you guys don't know anything about love. Let me tell you how you can love your fellow man. So he flips the expression. Jesus says, you've heard it said, don't do to people what they would hate. But I say to you, whatever you would like someone to do, do it to them. Whatever you deeply desire, whatever you would just be stoked if someone did to you, you go do that to somebody else. And that is way harder because that requires action. We're going we're gonna to get into it. But basically, Jesus is saying, go out of your way to show love to others. And I think there's a couple points we can go through to kind of really get this teaching in our head. The first one is I want you guys to understand we cannot separate love for God and love for people. And I think sometimes we can have this warped view of Christianity, which is basically, you know, I'm a Christian. You know why? Let me tell you. Because I go to church. I pray before my meals. I know all the songs, and sometimes I even sing them. Occasionally, I even read my Bible. Pretty great. We can have that feeling sometimes. That, we, when we think of what does it mean to be a Christian, we can kind of just relate it all to that. I am a spiritual person. I go to church. I sing songs. I read my Bible. That's what being a Christian is all about, right? But you need to understand the word Christian is only found a couple times in the Bible. The word disciple is found like over 300 times. Jesus is not looking for people to just come and sit in church and go, hmm, that made me feel warm and fuzzy, and then leave. Jesus is calling a generation of young and old and just 
I mean, babies, he's calling everybody back then. He's calling everybody now. Whatever your age, Jesus is calling you to a life of radical following. To be a disciple is to be a follower. To look at Jesus as rabbi. That means teacher, master. What Jesus says, you do. That means that what we're talking about today, you should be paying attention. Not because I'm saying anything, but because we're looking and studying at what Jesus said. And your mission is to absorb as much of this into your head as you can and then go home and pray and ask, how can I follow Jesus in this way? So, we cannot separate love for God and love for people. And I think sometimes we can. We can very easily do that. We can, we can have this kind of thing where it's like, Jesus is my personal savior, my own personal Jesus. And it's just me and Jesus, and we've got our thing. I wake up in the morning, or if you're like me, because I'm not a morning person, if I've tried to read my Bible in the morning, and I'm just like, what? What is this even? Like, if I read my Bible in the morning, I'd, I'd probably, like, end up just like learning all the like wrong things. Like I, I would take everything out of context. I'd, I'd read like a verse, like Judas went and hung himself and then I'd flip and I'd be like, go now and do likewise. Those are two verses that I actually flipped when I was doing random Bible flipping methods. I flipped to that when I flipped to the other. And I was like, oh, that's depressing. Maybe I should just read the Bible in like the order of a letter. You know, if, if my wife wrote me a letter and I was like flipping through random sentences, like it would be weird. I'd get all types of weird stuff out of it. But seriously, we can have this thing where it's like, it's just about me and Jesus. We've got our own thing. I read my Bible. I pray and I kind of talk to Jesus. And, and, and I don't want to involve other people, you know. Like I just want to live my life and I've got my life and my things and then I've got my Jesus time. Jesus wants to invade every aspect of your life. And for some of you guys, that might be a shocker. It might be kind of like, wow, Jesus is kind of intrusive, kind of barging his way into my life. But listen, he loves you and cares about you and wants what's best for you. You can have nothing better in your life than Jesus completely coming in and taking over. Jesus is the doctor who looks at you and says, I am not satisfied until I've cut every bit away or every bit of that cancer called sin out of your heart and soul. Jesus coming into your heart fully enables you to live the life you were meant to live. Not to have this boring life that so many of you guys probably assume that what it, that's what it means to be a Christian. It's just, oh yeah, it's good and try to be a good kid. Wrong. Like, when Jesus, when you allow Jesus to fully direct your life, you will open up doors. He will open up doors in your life that you never dreamed were possible. He will use you in ways that you looked at other people and you said, that's for them, but not for me because I'm not spiritual enough. All it takes, it's not like climbing some mountain, reading your Bible for 24 hours. It's just opening up your heart to what Jesus wants to do. Other people matter, absolutely. And here's the thing, I play video games, I'll admit it, and when I play video games, I mean, the bad guys are very easy to kill because they're faceless. Stormtroopers in Star Wars, I don't care about them. Like, I just look at them all together as like one just stormtrooper guy running around getting shot, shooting horribly, missing everybody. Like, that's what I look at them as. They're, they're faceless and they're nameless, they're the enemy. And sometimes we can look at other people that way. People we don't know, strangers, we walk into a crowd and we just, we don't, we don't really think like that people have lives and stories and pains and struggles. When I'm in line at the checkout and I'm in a hurry and there's 10 people in front of me, they are my enemy. I want to get past them. They are an obstacle. But Jesus calls me and calls you to view everybody differently, to view everybody in the light of his eyes. But it's hard. It's hard. It's honestly hard to be a Christian and actually follow what Jesus says here. Because in the morning, we can get up and have our Jesus time and go, mm, 
It was such a good Jesus time. And then we get to school, and we're in line for the cafeteria, and someone cuts in front of us, and we turn into the Incredible Hulk. And we just hulk out, and we get mad at that person. I don't know what makes you angry, um, but there's, just think of it, whatever it is. Just everyone just write out, picture what makes you most mad at school. I just made you all very bummed out. Um, what if I just was like, all right, bye, and I left. You guys were like, thanks. Thanks for leaving me on that note. But we all get mad. We all get furious over certain things, over certain people. But God wants you to see the people who make you upset with his eyes, with eyes of love and compassion. I want to ask you guys, when you look at people, what do you see? The whole thing with the dress, you guys have heard about that, right? Raise your hand if you think it's black and blue, okay? Raise your hand if you think it's white and gold, okay? So here's the thing about the dress. It's actually black and blue. I see white and gold every time, though, every time. My wife sees black and blue, and they did the statistics, and it's like only like 25% of people actually see the black and blue, and like the rest of the 75% see the white and gold. Even though it actually is black and blue, it's this trick of the light where the exposure just caused it to be distorted, and for some reason, some of us have different brains, and we, we're fooled by this trick. I'm fooled. I see the illusion. I don't see what's real. I see the white and gold when what's really behind it is the black and blue. And in the same way, the enemy, through our sinful nature, causes us to see people for not what they truly are. We see people through this illusion of basically people are obstacles to us. People are enemies to us. People are, are people we have to get past. People we have to um, sail past in our life, whether it's a, someone you're competing against in a sport, whether it's somebody at school that you're fighting for to get some position of authority or power in school or in choir or whatever it is, um, whether it's just people who annoy you, people who drive you crazy, people on the street and you see them and you think, wow, they need to get a job. Like, what's wrong with them? Like, they're, man, they're probably on the streets because they're, they have some sinful terror terrible past, we see people with this deluded, divisive veil where it's not truly what they are. Yes, everyone's a sinner, but they're also a creation of God. They're created in God's image. And everyone that you get frustrated with, everyone that you are angry at right now, they have their own struggles, their own sins, their own temptations, their own failures, their own faults, no matter how proud or cocky that person who makes you mad might be, like they struggle, they fall, they mess up, and they need Jesus, they need a savior. And God calls us to look at people with his eyes. There was a story of a youth worker. It was a girl who worked in the junior high ministry, not here, but at another church. And um, she was a counselor, and so she would always be involved in the kids. And there was this one kid that everybody just hated because this kid drove everyone crazy. This kid's name was Garth, and he was loud, and he was obnoxious, and he had a weird name, Garth. Who names their kid Garth? If your name's Garth, I'm sorry. But um, he was this loud, crazy kid who would just scream, and, and he never showered, and he hadn't discovered deodorant, and he would always just wipe his nose and have crusty boogers on his hands, and, and everyone just, this, this kid drove everyone crazy. And even uh, this girl, Rebecca, um, as a youth worker, was just so disgusted by this kid and just did not want to be around him. Every time he walked to the room, he'd yell and scream with a really high-pitched uh, voice and make really crude jokes about people eating boogers and stuff like that. Just like annoying, like, you know, dude, you're in seventh grade. You shouldn't be making those jokes. Come on. And one day they went on a field trip, 
And they were all walking, and this girl, high school senior, counselor in the junior high ministry, she's walking along, and she's hanging out with the kids that she likes, you know, the kids that she gets along with, the cool eighth grade kids who, you know, get her jokes, and she's laughing with them. And then Garth comes up and says, hey, Rebecca, how you doing? <laughs> super loud, super annoying. And he, he grabs her hand and wants to hold her hand and walk with her. And, and as soon as she, he grabs her hand. She's disgusted because she can feel the crust from his nastiness on the hands. And she immediately kind of ugh, tenses up and she's walking. She's like, I don't like this. I don't like this. And he's being really loud. He's being really annoying. And she's so frustrated. And she looks down at him with just this feeling of, ugh. but when she looks in his eyes, she hears this voice. And this voice says, hey, Rebecca, it's me. It's Jesus. I'm here right now. I'm here. And in that moment, she realized the verse came back to her. The Bible says, if you so much as give a cup of water to a small child, if you so much give um, a warm meal to someone who is hungry, if you so much clothe somebody who doesn't have clothes, you are doing it not just to that person, but you're doing it to Jesus. And she realized in that moment, if she loved this boy who frustrated her, yes, but if she showed him unconditional love, she was doing it for Jesus. And in that moment, she grabbed his hand and she walked with him, smiling and talking with him and giving him love and giving him attention. In God's eyes, it's, it's the small things that matter. God has big things for you, but he calls us to the small things first. It says, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward in Matthew 10, verse 42. We cannot separate love for God and love for people. If we're going to love God, we have to love people. Our next point well, before we go to our next point, I want you guys to check out this verse. We're going to look at some scripture today that supports what we're talking about. In Titus 3.8, says, This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. We don't do good works to make ourselves feel better. We don't do good works to make ourselves feel happy. We do good works because they're profitable for people, because they bless people. And when you bless people, you bless God. Whatever you do for someone else, you do for God. And if you're wondering, how do I know when I should do good? How do I know where I should do good? Look at this verse. This is very exciting. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. In Galatians 5.25, this just basically means very simply, be tuned into God. Be tuned into what he's saying. Guys, some of you are not tuned in to the Lord because you're not reading and you're not praying. And you're not acknowledging God. And guys, it's very simple. It's not climb a mountain and read your Bible again. It's like just get up in the morning or before bed at night or basically any time during the day. Open up God's word and read it expecting him to say something to you. Pray and ask God for help. I remember there was a high school camp where um, I was a counselor. Um, I was the junior high pastor and I got called up just to be a counselor and I was so excited to hang out with high school kids and I remember kind of being up there and I'm like, okay, what's my purpose? Like, what am I supposed to do? And I started praying, just very simply talking to God. This isn't magic. This isn't like, yes, I got up in the morning and fasted and like a dove descended onto my arm and I talked to the dove and the dove was like, go preach. Like, <laughs> didn't happen. What happened was I just started talking. I was like, so God, what do you want me to do? And in my heart, I felt like he told me, go stand by that tree. And I was like, okay. And I went and stood by that tree. And like two minutes later, three high school kids came up and started talking to me. And the conversation was so just blessed. It was like, wow, like 
God wanted this to happen. Like, this conversation was encouraging. It was awesome. Like, I'm so glad God told me to go stand by that tree because if not, I would have just gone to the snack bar and played ping pong. Um, that kind of stuff can happen all the time. That camp was awesome. Seriously, it was just like, like thing after thing, God saying, go over there, go stand over there, go do that. And people would show up and we'd talk and it was just simple conversations, but we'd encourage one another. Some of you guys were there at that camp and I was so blessed by some of the conversations I had with some of you guys there at that camp. Guys, it's very simple at your school, in your home, be tuned into the Lord. Some, one of these days he's gonna say to you, hey, hey, go do the dishes for your mom and don't expect her to notice, just do it for me. And you're gonna do it and you're gonna be so blessed. You're going to be at school, and God's going to say, hey, you see that kid over there you never talked to? Yeah, he needs a friend right now. And you're going to go sit down and talk to him, and it's just going to open up this amazing conversation that's so just blessed and ordained from the Lord, and you're going to walk away going, yes, Lord, you're using me. Guys, walk in the Spirit. You have it. He's given it to you. He, he has put it in your heart. It, you have instant access to the Spirit of the Lord. If we're going to love people, we need to be led by the Spirit. Our next point, and this is my favorite one, is give others what you want deeply. A hurricane hit this town, and a soldier, a group of soldiers came in, and in that moment, what this woman, the resident of the town, what she needed most was a hug. That was what she needed most deeply in her heart after her home was destroyed. Was I mean, she knew the soldiers couldn't fix her home or pay for it, but she knew that what she really needed in that moment was a hug, and she was given it. And it's such a touching picture. I think we need to look around, and we need to ask people, if I were in their shoes, what would I want? Because remember, it's not don't do to people what they would hate. It's, hey, whatever you want, give that to other people. So much of the time we focus on what do I want? What can I do to be successful in school? What can I do to, like, uh, what, huh, can't talk. What can I do to further my career? What can I do to rise to the top of my club or my sport? What can I do to just achieve greatness? And God says, this is actually from the Bible. He says, whoever wants to be great, let him be the servant of all. You won't be great by rising to the top of anything. If you're valedictorian, that's not going to matter in heaven. If you're the quarterback, that's not going to matter in heaven. It's awesome here on earth. A lot of good stuff happens from it. But God so much more values above any earthly standard, any job title, any money, any house, any boat, any recognition from people that you can get. God values so much more loving and serving others. Look around people and ask, if I was in their shoes... What would I want? That guy over there who just lost his dad to cancer. If I was in his shoes, what would I want? I'd want someone to come over and talk to me. I'd want somebody to come give me a hug and tell me it's going to be okay. I'd want some love. And then go give it to him. You're looking at that girl who nobody sits by. And she feels ugly. And she feels like no one accepts her. And she's socially awkward. So people avoid her, and she sits alone. And you look at her, and you think, if I was in her shoes, what would I want? I would want a friend. I would want somebody to care about me. And so often, we can look at people, and we can just think, wow, that's too bad for them. I'm glad I'm not in their shoes. But if you were in their shoes, what would you want? Would you want someone to come and show you some love? Then go do it. If you see that homeless guy in the street and he's holding up a sign and he's like out of work for 20 years, I've tried to get a job, I haven't been able to do it, like please, just some money, what are you going to do? What would you want? 
If you were that guy, I'd want, I'd want somebody to care about me. I'd want, I'd want not just someone to come and give me money or food. I'd want someone to actually come and take the time and sit down and talk to me and hear my entire story because I would have a story to tell. And how many of us are willing to do that? And God is calling us to love others in these ways. Think of your parents who are working hard to provide for you guys. If you were in their shoes, what would you want? Maybe a little respect. Maybe, maybe, maybe love. <laughs> maybe recognition. Like, good job, Mom. You're doing a great job. Dad, I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. Instead of just fighting back and arguing and being disrespectful, what would they want? What would you want if you were in their shoes? God calls us to give to them what we would want deeply. There was a homeless guy. I was hanging out with um, uh, junior high kid Brantz Nakamura recently and uh, Tyler Clark and um, Ryan and um, Evan Carrillo. And we were at Rubio's and we were eating our food and Ryan accidentally ordered an extra shrimp salad. So we were all kind of looking at it and we're like, what are we going to do with this shrimp salad? We could eat it, but that's lame. And we saw this homeless guy, and we were like, let's give him the food. And I was honestly thinking it would just be a quick thing, just give him the food, get out. Like, don't have to talk to him. You know, just give him the food, do a good deed, get out. So we gave him the food, and we're like, hey, here you go, here's some food, see ya. And we went back to our table, and the guy was so, like, blown away that someone had shown him kindness, he actually got up out of his seat and walked over to us. And he smelt like the worst thing I've ever smelt in my life. Like, he had been just bathing in urine, basically, is what he smelled like. And just like he had never used a stick of deodorant in his life. And we're eating fish, and it's just nasty. And we're, we're sitting there, and he comes over, and he wants to tell us his life story. He wants to talk to us about just all this stuff, how he used to be a computer programmer, and then he lost his job, and he's been on the streets since the 70s. And, and we're listening, and we're eating, we're nodding, and we're talking to him. And then uh, and he's standing right by Brant's, and, and his, his underarm just nastiness is wafting. Like, here, here's him, I'm him, here's Brant's, and he, Brant's is sitting there, and he's just right there. And Brant's is trying to eat his burrito, and it's just And in that moment, we had a decision. We had a decision. We were thinking, what do we do? Do we like get up and go, hey, sorry, you smell, and go sit at another table? But if we were in that guy's shoes, what would we want? We'd want some love. We'd want someone to care about us, not just give us a hand up, but actually care about our life story. And we, we thought about it, and we thought if Jesus were in the same situation, would he get up and tell the disciples, like, hey, we're leaving because this guy smells, or would he talk to this guy? And the answer was absolutely, he, Jesus would talk to this guy. And so we talked to him, and we talked to him, and we talked to him, and then Brantz threw up all over the place. But he took one for the team. <laughs> he took one for the Lord, and it was awesome. And I was so proud of him. And afterwards, we talked, and it was like, Brantz, that's what Jesus would have done. I don't know if he would have thrown up. I'm sure Jesus threw up at some point. He, pro- he had to have had the flu. He, he had to have. Anyway. <laughs> Show love to other people. And you might think, but I've got people in my life who are always causing me pain. How often should I love them? In Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's love and mercy never runs out. Therefore, our love and mercy should never run out. Peter came to Jesus and he said, Hey, Jesus. So, like, I got in a fight with one of the other disciples, 
And I'm wondering, like, how many times should I forgive them? Because this is, like, the fourth time that, like, Peter, or I'm, I'm Peter. This is, like, the fourth time Andrew, like, got his chocolate and my peanut butter. I'm really mad. I'm embellishing a little bit. But he was basically came to Jesus, and he's like, how many times should I forgive? And Jesus is like, or no, Peter's like, should I forgive him seven times? And then, like, that's it. Like, that's the limit. And Peter, Jesus is just, I don't know the exact number, but it was something like Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, forgive him seven times seven times 70 times 700. Something like that. It was a lot of sevens, the number of completion. Basically, infinity. Infinity forgiveness. Like, don't stop forgiving. Just keep forgiving. Just keep loving others is what Jesus says. His love never runs out. Therefore, ours shouldn't. And guys, you have to ask, what do you want deeply? Is it love? Is it respect? Is it grace and mercy for your sins? For the way you've wronged other people? What do you want? Do you want forgiveness? Do you want friendship? Do you want hope? Do you want encouragement? Do you want attention? Everyone around you is looking for these things. Because we want these things deeply, God has called us first to realize that we get all these things in our relationship with him and then to take the things that he gives us and give them to others. Jesus never turned anyone away. Jesus said, give them the best seat at the table. He tells a story of a party where there's a rich guy and a poor guy. And the rich guy comes in. Everyone's like, hey, rich guy, come on in. Sit at the table. We got the best seat. And the poor guy comes in. Everyone goes, oh, you can sit in the back, I guess. And Jesus says, no, like, rich guy? You go sit in the back, give up your seat because you're a disciple. You tell that poor guy, that smelly guy who came in, hey, you sit at the honored place at the table. That's what love looks like. Do we treat people around us like that or do we just treat people what we think they deserve on the social ladder? This person will get me popular, so I'll treat them nice. This person I'm not going to worry about. This person I'm not going to give the time of day because they would just drag me down in my popularity. Thank you, Christian. He just texted me. It's 70 times. He texted me. It's just 70 times 7. <laughs> Sorry for embellishing. But still, 70 times 7 is a lot. And you should get out a calculator and text me what 70 times 7 is because I don't know. Whoa. Either you guys are really good Bible students or you're just good at math. One or the other. But guys, in God's eyes, we are all the same. There's no hierarchy. There's, there's no, God doesn't look at us and go, oh, you're the really good Christians. You're really popular. Like, you're really talented. You're really gifted. You're, you're great at teaching. You're great at worship. Like, and you, you're the sinner. You're down. Like, God looks at us all and he says, I love you all. Just as a father loves all of his children equally, God looks at us and says, I love you. I care about you. We need to look at other people with equality and think they deserve love. Not because we actually deserve love, because we don't. We deserve death. The only reason we can say that anyone deserves love is because God says we deserve love. And that's amazing. To know with all our sins, with all our faults, that God loves us. We need to give others what we want deeply in our hearts. Because guys, look at this verse says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 100, verse 3. This is an amazing verse. This is comforting. God's saying, hey, you're mine. I made you. I care about you. I have great plans for you. Like, I am your father. I'm your shepherd. But not everybody knows this. And kind of like how it's super annoying when you walk around all day with a piece of broccoli sticking out of your teeth 
and you're with your friends and you're hanging out with them and talking to them and then you get to the mirror and it's like all day, all day, I was smiling, I was flashing my pearly whites and my BFFs did not take the time to tell me I had something in my teeth. Just like that, how much worse is it when someone doesn't know that God loved them and made them, when someone is walking around this earth without the knowledge that God loves them and made them, and we have that knowledge and we don't tell them, we're worse than the broccoli and the teeth people. We need to look at people and think they are missing a vital piece of information. They do not know that God loves them. I'm not just going to keep that to myself. I'm going to give them what they need. Because what we want deeply is love, acceptance, forgiveness, hope. We get all that in Jesus. All those people on the street that you see, all those people in your life, all your friends at school who don't know Jesus, that is what they need deeply. And we have it. We can give it to them. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when uh, Peter and John find this lame man and he's sitting by the streets begging and he needs money because he can't walk so he can't work. And so he's asking them for money and they come up to him and they say, you know what? We don't have money. We don't have silver. We don't have gold. But you know what we do have? You know what you need? It's Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. You know what? He can make you walk. In fact, in his name, stand up and walk. And the guy gets up and all of a sudden he's never been able to walk and he stands up and he can walk and then he just is running and leaping and praising God and he was given exactly what he needed people think they need other things they think they need money they think they need wealth they think they need possessions but what they need is Jesus and so often we're walking by people not giving them that message we need to and that brings me to my last point is love a command or is it a suggestion to you? Because remember, we call this the golden rule. And what is a rule? Gravity. This is gravity. It's a rule. It happened. That was supposed to happen. It's gravity. There's no way that wouldn't have happened unless we were in some weird, like, anti-gravity chamber. But therefore, it would be anti the rule of gravity. But because gravity exists, when I drop something, it falls to the floor. Is love a rule for you? Is it a part of your nature as a disciple of Jesus where loving people is the rule in your heart where it's natural or is it just a suggestion to you where you hear it and you're like, oh, I guess I should love people maybe if I'm having a good day, but sometimes I have bad days. In fact, I have more bad days than good days, so I'm just not going to be that loving most of the time. People just kind of have to deal with me, you know, like it's get used to my personality, that's a lot of times what we want to do because that's a lot of times what I want to do because I'm selfish. I just, I want people to adapt to me and my moods and my habits and my quirks. But Jesus calls us to love people and put them first. Guys, when you're hurt, when people have gossiped about you, when they've posted nasty things about you on social media, God calls you to love them. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Is the rule of love a rule to you or is it just a suggestion? Is it just, yeah, that's for some Christians or is it, you know what? I know what I want to do to them, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to love them because that's what I would want. I would want love. I would want forgiveness. Sometimes somebody's hurt you and they don't want to apologize. But if you come to them and you give your forgiveness, a lot of times that, that just builds a bridge. God can use, because a lot of times we're like, I'm not going to forgive them until they come begging for an apology. But we said it before, being Christ-like isn't giving forgiveness when someone comes and asks for it. Being Christ-like is giving forgiveness when you're still on that cross being crucified. 
Think about that. Jesus was being crucified on a cross, and he extended forgiveness and love to the people around him. Are you going through it? Are people driving you crazy right now? Are people running your name through the mud? Are you on that metaphorical cross like Jesus? Die to yourself and love them and watch the amazingness that God does in your heart. Think around the the house. Dishes, laundry, trash, lawn work. Oh, I hate lawn work. Your parents, you view them often as your slave masters. But they love you and they're working hard. And a lot of times you don't see it because the people we live in the same house with are the easiest people for us to be in the flesh around. But God is calling you to look at your mom, look at your dad, look at your brothers and sisters and go, what, what would I want if I were them? I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go mow that lawn. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I almost said, I'm going to go brush those teeth. <laughs> it's, just, it's a struggle. Um, I'm going to go do those dishes. I'm going to go do that laundry for mom and I'm not going to expect anything in return. I'm just going to do it because I love her. Hard one, Teachers. We often do not feel like they deserve any respect from us. I didn't for a lot of them. I was like, these people are jokers. I'm not learning anything. I I pretty much felt like everything that I learned in my high school years was all self-taught. Like I didn't learn anything from freshman year to senior year. I totally did. But back then I was selfish and arrogant. And I just was like, I don't need school. I'm a graphics designer, self-taught. I'm going to go out and change the world with my graphics. I didn't. Um, (laughs) Failed. Um, Guys. God has put your teachers in your life. They're working hard. They, they work hard. They really do. Look at your teachers. If you were them, what would you want? Would you want every time you tried to teach a lesson, would you want 30 kids to talk over you so you just felt like a failure and you go home at night feeling like everything I do is pointless because these kids won't listen to me? What would you want? Would you want them to listen? Would you want them to give your respect? Would you want them to care about what you were teaching? It's hard. It's very hard for some of you. Some of you guys are nerds and you love school. More power to you. That wasn't me. But for some of you guys, it's a struggle. The struggle is real in school. I want you to know, God is calling you to love your teachers. Might sound weird, but God is calling you to give them that respect. And through respecting them, you're respecting God. This is very important to Jesus. He says in the verse, he says, this is the law and the prophets. Basically, the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets. He's like, the whole point of the Old Testament is basically pointing you to love God and love people. Like, love people, do good to them, bless them. That is the heart of God. That's what everything points to. This verse is like, Jesus Jesus is saying in this verse hinges basically like the point. Love people. It's all about love. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he established his kingdom was because love was the rule of the kingdom. And that might be a crazy rule, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. It's so much more awesome to be a person who lives for others compared to a person who lives for themselves. I remember the story of this this guy who basically he would just go, he, he went to a college, all of his roommates, everybody on his floor was like party hard people. They would just every weekend just party, drinking beer, squishing around potato chips. What? What did I just say? Like you don't squish around potato, I guess in your mouth when you chew them. But <laughs> I was trying to think of a word, uh, chewing on potato chips, um, soda, beer, lights, smoke machines, just crazy parties out of control. 
people just going crazy. And every night at the end of the party, there would be broken bottles all over the floor, chips everywhere, food everywhere, broken things. And this guy, this Christian dude, he, he wouldn't party with him. But every morning, while they were all just hung over and knocked out, he would get up and he would just like secretly, like purposely, like trying to hide it. Not like, you sinners, I'll clean for you because you're sinners. I hope you notice my good deeds. Not that. He was like secretly cleaning up after them. And one day a guy noticed and he's like, dude, Frank, like what are you doing? Like why are you doing this? Like why are you cleaning up after us every day? And he's just like, well, I follow Jesus and that's what he would do. You want to know more about him? And he was able to lead people in his college to the Lord through his example. It's so much better to live for other people. Now, really quickly, we're just going to look at a couple verses super quick because I'm going to try to end earlier than I normally do. So, verse number one, the question to wrap this up, how do I know if I'm a Christian? The Bible says we will be known through our fruits. We'll be known how we love one another. So, Here's the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That'd be funny if it was. If you got arrested for any of these, it'd be weird. This is what God calls us to do. This is the checklist. And that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect at all these. That doesn't mean that you're going to be like the model person every day. Like you've got your checklist and you're like, okay, all right. Uh, I was loving towards mom. I was peaceful towards dad. I was joyful towards my teacher. Like that's not what it means. But it means that these are the qualities you're going to show through your life. These are the qualities that if you lack in any of these, you're going to grow in and you're going to chase after these. And if you're sitting here and you're looking at this list and you're like, I don't do any of these. Like this has nothing to do with who I am. I'm not loving. I'm not joyful. I'm not peaceful. I'm not patient. I'm not kind. I'm not good, I guess. I'm not faithful. I'm not gentle. And I don't have any self-control. If you're looking at this, then you need to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need these. Because this is what it means to be a Christian. And if you don't have these, then where are you? What are you doing? Now, guys, here's, here's the thing, though. This is what you really need to understand. We need these fruits, but check this out. This verse is awesome. This verse is encouraging. Because we look at those fruits and be like, I can't do that. That's crazy. It's too hard. It's against my human nature. Very true. But this verse in John 15, 4, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear, read that, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus is saying you can't do it on your own. You can't have those fruits. You can't be loving. You can't be joyful. You can't be peaceful without me. But just like somebody who is planted just like somebody who has their roots in, they're going to bear that fruit. Guys, it's not complicated. You don't have to like go outside and dig a hole and like water yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. Basically, it boils down to just spend time with Jesus. That's how you abide. You just be with Jesus. It doesn't, you don't have to do what I do. You don't have to do what Scott does. You don't have to do what David Cummings does. Like we all do different things and we all have different spiritual rhythms. Like it's not about a formula. It's just about, hey, have you been with Jesus? Have you spent time with him, like outside of church? Like, have you been with him? Have you read his word? Have you prayed? Have you talked to him? Have you asked for his help? That is how you abide, and that's how you're going to see that fruit. And if you're looking at that list and you're like, I don't see any fruit in my life, then it's because you're not abiding. And this verse is very encouraging because you can't do it on your own. You need him. 
Now the question, the last question is, do I have to love everyone? Some people are mean to me. That's true, but look at this awesome verse in Romans 5, 7 through 8. It says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God is saying, no one deserves anything. None of us are good. None of us are righteous. The Bible says none are righteous, not one. But while we were still sinners in our sins, some of you guys, that's hard to wrap your brain around because you were born into a Christian family. And maybe like me, when I was a kid, you just think you're born perfect because I was a pastor's kid. And then I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. I'm a horrible sinner. I hope you're at that point where you realize no matter how good you are on the outside, on the inside, when no one else is looking, like that's where our true self comes out. That's where the angry thoughts come. That's where the bitter thoughts come. That's where the lying and the deception and the sin, the pride, that's where it comes. Sometimes it's even people who barely sin at all, but then they're just really prideful about it. And then it just comes back and bites them. While we were still sinners, guys, did you know the tiniest sin is enough to separate us from God, the tiniest white lie. You could have lived a perfect life and then you told one little white lie. Someone's like, hey, what color is that dress? And you say white and gold. You just lied. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I don't think you'd be in trouble for that one. But the tiniest sin is enough to separate us. God says while we were still sinners, while Hitler was still a sinner, while you were still a sinner, while a mass murderer was still a sinner, while someone who told a little white lie was still a sinner, Christ died for us. Everybody was extended that mercy. Everybody has that opportunity. Therefore, we need to love everybody. None of us deserve life. We need to stop playing the spiritual rating game where some people are more holy than others. We just need to realize we're all unholy. Jesus is holy. We all need Jesus. That's basically all there is. It's we're all sick. He's the doctor. He's the cure. We need him. It's not like, oh, he's more sick and he needs more of a dosage and I need less because I'm more healthy. I just need like a little like day quill of Jesus. No, we're all sick. We're all going to die without Jesus. We all need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. So knowing this. You might think, okay, I get it that I need to love. I get that I need to go out there. I need to love my enemies. I need to love people. But that's scary because I feel like if I try to love my enemies, they're going to attack me. I feel like if I try to love homeless people on the street, if I try to love people who are angry towards Christianity, if I go to try to love some atheists who just hate Christians at my college, it's scary and I just, I'm scared and I don't know if I can love people because they scare me. Look at this verse, last verse. I just clicked on the wrong thing. Look at this verse. This verse is awesome. I got to tell you a story really quick. Where's my cousin Tony? When Tony was a kid, we would play action figures. And I'd come over to his house, and I'd play action figures with him. And I would get, you know, like Batman or somebody. And he'd have all these little, like, Legos and action figures and stuff. And we'd be playing, and I would come at him, and, like, and we'd, like, you know, do the role play thing where it's like, all right, Batman's swooping down with a powerful kick. And Tony would go, force field be like, what? He's like, you can't do anything because he's got a force field. I'd be all right. So Aquaman summons the fish and the fish are going to come. And he's like, force field. I'm like, what? Okay, Superman's coming with laser eyes that defeat the force field. Double force field. And I was just like, oh, Tony, too many force fields. And then he would just destroy me because he had the force field. Nothing can get through. Guys, look at this verse. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. Or 
force field. Psalm 91, 8 through 9. Listen, look at those arrows. Those are arrows that were fired, but this person made God their force field, and the arrows bounced off. Guys, God has called you to love. Loving is hard. You're going to face difficulties when you love. You're going to face challenges when you love. You're going to face enemies when you love, and God is going to call you to love those enemies. And you're going to be freaked out and scared, but God is your force field. If God is for you, who can be against you? You have everything in you that you need in Jesus to love your worst enemy with your whole heart, unashamed, not holding anything back. Ask yourself today, how can you do that? Love you guys. God loves you so much. I'm going to pray for you guys. Uh, Lauren, you want to come up and do like one song? That work? Yeah? Cool. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you love us, that you care about us, that you give us life. God, help us to do unto others as we would want them to do to us. Help us to simply look at our parents, at our friends, at our enemies, at the nerds at school, at the jocks that we're scared of if we're nerdy, if at the people that we don't get along with, Lord the people who frighten us, the people who scare us, the people who are culturally different than us, the people in our schools who are in the different cliques and the different gangs and the people that we just do not want anything to do with. Help us to look at them with fresh eyes, with fresh vision. Help us to look at them with love and compassion. God, help us to look at everybody and think, if I were in their shoes, what would I want? And then help us to give that to people. And God, most of all, help us to give the gospel because that's what people need more than anything is they need you. They need your light. They need your life. They need your truth. Help us, God, to take the gospel into our schools, into our neighborhoods, into our homes, into our groups of friends. Help us to take that message and give it to people through our actions, through our words, through our testimonies. God, help us to do this. It's so hard. It's so hard to love others. But God, you are our force field. A mighty force field is our God. Thank you so much, God, for this love, for this protection, for this mission. Help us, God, to do it today. In your name, amen.